Hey guys, it's Timmy, and this is Wrestling Unlimited, as it's Monday, and this is the Wrestling Wrap-Up, a handful of news brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. As far as today's show does go, we're going to review last Saturday's AEW Collision. We're going to talk about one current AEW champion, now working backstage as a producer, What's going on with Billy Gunn. Is he really retiring? Brian Pillman Jr. says he's got some big news along, coming along the way. WWE did big news in Mexico this week and so much more. Because remember, this is the wrestling wrap-up. We bring you all the latest news in the world of professional wrestling. As far as today's show does go, we do have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, technically seven news stories plus our, our collision review. So we got all of that. And so much more. And remember, you can watch this show a number of different ways, whether that is live, later, or listening on podcast services all around the globe. Because remember, you can watch this show on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited live. You can watch this show live or later on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or listen on podcast services like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember to head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, again, use our code. Right here, PW Unlimited at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Right now, Epic Games does have their Summer of Games sale going on right now. Their summer sale. You can get games all the way up to, I want to say, 75% off. I know right now you can get Dead Island 2. You can get Red Dead Redemption 2, Crime Boss, Rock A City, The Outlast Trials, and so much more. Also, go over there and claim the free games. Right now, they got Murder by Numbers and the Elder Scrolls Online. You can get both of those for free. And all you got to do to support us while doing so is put in the code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout. And you will be supporting us, again, at no extra cost. But with all of that, this show is also brought to you by Pro Wrestling Loot. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. First off, let's kick it all off. Talking AEW Collision. This past week's Collision, in my opinion, wasn't all that great. I was kind of bored with most of it. I thought the main event was good. But outside of that, the rest of this show was kind of just meh. Even setting up the main event was not good in the opening segment of the show. But yeah, so we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. We'll give you all my thoughts and whatnot as the show did kick off with Tony Schiavone in the ring. Well, actually, no, 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 not even that. I forget. We get these little, like, quick one-liners from different people. 
So, where was I? Um, no, pre-show hype videos. We got um, stuff from the acclaimed Action Andretti and Darius Martin. No, yeah, Darius Martin. Bullet Club Gold. And then Ricky Starks walks up. Ricky Starks literally shows up in a car. Parks it randomly in just this random-ass spot. Not even in a parking spot or anything. Gets out. Takes his time grabbing a bag and his belt, his Owen belt that we know means nothing, out of the back seat and then goes, he says something along the lines of like, I won, I'm here, it's absolute, or something like that. He says something stupid. They took way too long to get to, and I'm just like, oh, this is this is what kind of show we got. Okay. And this just gets worse from here. So after all that, Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and he introduces the winner of the 2023 Owen Hart Cup, Ricky Starks. Ricky comes out and gets a laughable, comical amount of, of pyro where he's on the ropes doing his dun, 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 and the pyro's just going off behind him. More pyro, more pyro, more pyro. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God, is this ever going to end? This is like Kevin Nash. That one time when he got an exorbitant amount of pyro on Nitro. Anyways, Giovanni asked Starks about his use of the ropes last week. As the crowd told Starks that he deserves it. And he goes, yeah, I did deserve it. I thought Ricky Starks was a little much in this promo. Like, Ricky Starks has cut some good promos. He was just trying too hard, I felt like, to be... A character, a gimmick, not genuine. He's like, but I came here because I want to show some things off. I got this Owen belt. Oh, and there's nothing in this bag. I just want to show you my Louie. And I'm like, what? Like, I took my winnings and got me a new Louie. I just want to show you the bag. It's empty. There's nothing in it. But like, what? The, what the, huh? You're literally going to walk out to the ring with this bag and there's nothing in it. You're just like, I got a Louis Vuitton bag. And they said something about his fancy shoes as well. I'm like, can this be any dumber? Can this be any stupider? What's the point of that? Oh, I won a bunch of... Did he get a big bonus for winning the tournament? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, after blowing off the question, though, about did he disrespect Jushin Thunder Liger, he says while he appreciates the sentiment for the, from the fans, he doesn't want to be a pillar. Tony Schiavone's like, you know, you're not a pillar and this thing. I don't like pillars. I don't like the word pillar. I don't want to be a pillar. Also, I've done something the pillars have never done. I won the Owen Hart Cup. And now when you think about it, have the pillars, any of them even been in the tournament? Were they in last year's tournament? Were they in this year's tournament? I don't even know. So that was a dumb line too. Because I don't think any pillar has even gotten the opportunity. Maybe Darby, but I can't remember. Out then all of a sudden walks CM Punk. No music or anything. Just like booze and cheers. And then they look up at the ramp, and they're like, hmm, it's oh, it's CM Punk. Punk comes down and says, I'm not mad at Starks. I'm actually proud of you for what you did. Punk then acts like he's never cheated before. He said he can live with the loss, but can Starks live at the win with the fact that he did it the way he did and knows that he can't beat CM Punk without cheating? Punk then goes to leave. As he gets to the top of the ramp, Starks then yells, hey, my Louis bag is as empty as that red bag you've been carrying around. 
And this kind of pisses off Punk a little bit. Punk walks all the way back down into the ring. And keep in mind, neither of these men ever grab an actual microphone. Tony Schiavone's just holding it for them. So it's like an old school kind of deal. He gets right in Ricky's face. He says, Starks is just like MJF in that they don't want Punk to have it. The world title, that is. Punk called himself the real world champion before TNT champion Luchasaurus and Christian Cage just randomly make their way out. Make their way out. And Christian says what we're all thinking. Man, this is going on way too long. He says that he doesn't want to be in New Jersey any longer than he has to, but he's contractually obligated to be on the show and at least make an appearance. And again, this segment's going way too long, so he's just out here to make his appearance so he can leave. He then looks at Punk and goes, also, by the way, what kind of a man carries around a title he didn't win? As he's got the TNT championship on his shoulder that he didn't win. I get the joke, didn't work for me. Cage goes to leave and out comes Darby Allen, the winner of the Royal Rampage, who will face Luchasaurus with the TNT championship at All Out. He addresses Starks and Punk before telling Luchasaurus that he's going to win the TNT title at All Out in Chicago. Allen suggests a uh, tag team match for later on tonight. Him and his buddy CM Punk against Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. And as soon as, this is, I hate the way AEW does this sometimes. As soon as Darby finishes his sentence. Darby didn't even finish his sentence barely. Where Tony Schiavone goes, hold on, I'm getting news from Tony Khan. Yeah, Tony Khan is telling me, um, yeah, he's, uh, it's, it's official. He is making the match. The match is going to happen. I'm just like, okay. And then they have a graphic two seconds later. Come on. At least make it feel a little more realistic and not super storyline driven contrived. Like, come on. So that match does get made, made official. CM Punk and Darby Allin against Ricky Starks and Christian Cage in the main event. Then we got Ian Riccoboni and Nigel McGinnis talking about something that happened earlier in the day with Andrade El Idolo. Andrade El Idolo. Because no lead announcer in this company, or at least on Collision, can say... El Idolo, both Kevin Kelly and Ian Riccoboni butcher it, saying Andrade El Idolo. Andrade El Idolo. El Idolo. Idolido. Like, how hard is it to say Andrade El Idolo? Kevin Kelly butchered it three weeks in a row. No one corrected him. I haven't heard Ian Riccoboni say it before tonight. But boy, did it get annoying in that main event when they were talking about Andrade versus um, Matthews next week in a ladder match. He's like, we've got um, the House of Black's Buddy Matthews taking on Andrade El Idolo in a ladder match next week. Don't forget, next week we have a ladder match with Matthews and El Idolo. Like, can someone just say it's El Idolo? How much is this guy getting paid to not be able to say Andrade El Idalo. El Andrade El Idalo. Like, it's not that hard. And it's not like he just came from WWE and is a new name that he hasn't really been using for a while. This man's been in AEW for what, two years now? Anyways, they show Andrade entering the building and security stops him and they're like, hey, you're not allowed in here tonight. The Shiro's title is going to be on the line and the. You know, management doesn't want you getting involved, so they said you can't be here. You have to leave. He's like, are you kidding me? Excuse me? I have to what? They're like, you got to leave. Management says you're not allowed to be here tonight because they don't want you getting involved with the trios title match. He's like, what? For reals? 
And they're like, yeah, we need to escort you out the building. And they take him to some, to some door with a dark hallway. I don't even know if it's outside the building or not. So then we go on to our first match of the night. It's Jay White and Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold, the Bang Bang Gang, with the guns, taking on Action Andretti and Darius Martin. White and Martin started it off with the announcers putting over his cardio as far as White does go. Wrestling in an hour-long match last night, being the longest man in that match, like 38 minutes, I think they said he's, he lasted. Martin fought off of a double team at one point and tagged in Andretti, who hit Robinson with a corkscrew moonsault. Andretti and Martin they ran wild on Robinson until Robinson cut off Andretti with a sidekick. White tagged in and clubbered on Andretti in the corner before Robinson dropped Andretti with a neckbreaker off the apron. Uh, the crowd was chanting, Daddy doesn't love you, to the guns. Bullet Club then posed as we went to picture-in-picture commercial break. Andretti, Andretti, then fought, uh, fought for the tag to Martin as we came back from the break. Martin made the tag and ran wild, dropping White and Robinson with a combination DDT death drop. Martin then hit a top rope crossbody to White for a near fall. Martin sent Robinson and White to the floor, setting up Andretti to hit an Arabian press moonsault on both men at ringside. Andretti then booted White into a German suplex for a near fall. Andretti then went for the split-legged moonsault, but Robinson cut him off. He hung him in a tree of woe. Robinson then hit cannonballs on both men before hitting his podium DDT on Andretti. White then hit a blade runner to score the pinfall victory. So then after the match, the guns tossed Andretti and Martin around. They kicked them a couple times and then booted them out of the ring before they all celebrated. And there we go. That will actually lead to a six-man tag next week, a trios match, as they call it. As it will be the Guns and Juice Robinson taking on Darius Martin, Action Andretti, and randomly from nowhere, El Hilo Del Fikingo. Where does Vikingo play into all of this? How does that make any sense? I get why, you know, Action and Journey and Darius Martin may want the guns or may want Juice again or something. Like, just give me Action and Darius against the guns. Why do we need Juice? Why do we need Vikingo? It's, it's stuff like this that makes no sense in AEW. And they do it a lot, just randomly adding random people to matches and, and stories and this and that. Unless I've missed something on, like, Ring of Honor. Has Vikingo ever been a thing with Martin and Andretti? Not that I know of. I was like, why does this make any goddamn sense? Uh, the announcers then highlighted Willow Nightingale's big week. She won the Owen Hart Cup last week on Collision, and that standout performance earned her a shot at the Ring of Honor Women's Championship the night before a death before dishonor, but then they just cut. Never saying that she did or didn't win the championship. She didn't win the championship against uh, Athena. And you would assume as much if they didn't say it. So, yeah, that was kind of weird. They're like, and she had a standout main event match last night on Death Before Dishonor where she took on the AEW Women's Champion Athena. They're like, go out of your way to watch it. It's a great match. One of the best women's matches we've ever seen in Ring of Honor history. And then they didn't even tell you the result. That was weird. That was a little weird. As we move forward, we had Miro against Nick Camarado. Crowd was into it for Miro. Not sure if they really knew Camarado was, unfortunately. But Camarado did attack Miro during his entrance. And Camarado controlled Miro early on, hitting corner splashes. 
Miro dodged one of them and hit a German suplex. Miro then hit a big uh, sidekick and ripped off the shirt, his shirt. He called for the game over, locked it on, and got the quick, quick victory. So, yeah, there we go. Miro squashes a guy actually bigger than him. We get a video package highlighting FTR, highlighting their numerous title wins over the course of their time in AEW, which is like winning the ROH titles and the AAA titles and the AEW titles and stuff like that. And then they say, we will hear from uh, uh, the AEW World Tag Team Champions FTR later on tonight. Then, this was weird. And I don't know if this was because I was watching this on a um, fight feed where there's no commercials. But it literally felt like the House of Black comes out. And they're in the ring for like almost 10 minutes before the acclaim finally come out. This was weird. This felt really weird. And again, and maybe it could have been because I watched this on a fight TV feed where there's no commercials. Opposed to on a TNT. So where maybe I just... Saw the whole commercial break thing, but because it, it even felt like they were in, like they came down to the ring, took forever to come down to the ring. Then they stood in the ring for like two minutes, and then we hear Amir Kabani, oh, the trio shadows will be on the line after this break. And then, like, we just see them standing there and standing there. Then they come back, and they're still standing there. And they acclaim to finally come out. And I get it, the acclaim need to come out second. Like, usually champions come out second, but for the acclaims, Entrance, they got to come out second. Caster's rap included jabs at Matthews, who then charged Caster on the ramp to start the match. Pier 6 brawl broke out early on a ringside before the match actually really started. King at one point crushed Gunn and Bowens into the barricade with some splashes. The champions isolated Caster on their side of the ring as his partners crawled to the corner. Caster fought his way to the corner as the crowd taunted Matthews with a dirty Dom chance. Yes, there were dirty Dom chants during collision. Man, Dom is over in two companies. It was like, dirty Dom, dirty Dom. So it's like, Dom is over in two goddamn companies. So King tried um, taking out Bowens and Gunn again, but Gunn took him down with punches. Caster then made the tag to Gunn, who ran wild on the house before taking a massive lariat from King. Black then hit the Black Mass on Gunn to score the empathetic victory. Also, that clothesline from King to Billy, twist, I've never, I don't remember the last time I saw Billy get twisted like that. Like, Billy literally did one of those, like, you get clotheslined so hard that you do, like, a corkscrew kind of deal. Like, kudos to Billy Gunn. But then, so... Billy Gunn gets pinned by Malachi Black. Malachi then whispers something to Billy. King then says something to Billy. Matthews then says something to Billy. Billy then crawls over to the corner and begins removing his boots. Uh, the acclaimed are on the outside trying not to cry as Billy is taking the boots off and the crowd is chanting, You still got it. You still got it. Billy then takes his boots off. Puts him right in the center of the ring, symbolizing basically, I'm done, I'm retired. Then he walks off. The acclaimed try to console him at ringside, and he just walks up the ramp and leaves. And this is a little weird. Why do this on a random episode of Collision? Like, such a random episode of Collision. And not at least wait till All In or All Out and do it on a bigger platform. Maybe do it on a Dynamite that's going to get more views. 
more people watching, do it in a bigger match. Like, I get it. There's no bigger match really for them right now than going for the trios titles. But doing it on collision just felt weird and awkward and not important and almost like, oh, that ain't real. Like, almost to a point made me feel like, oh, yeah, no, nope. There's got to be more to this. This is a storyline, maybe. I don't know. So, they claim jump in. They grab Billy's boots, and they walk to the back. We then got a, re uh, then got a recap of the Royal Rampage, where Darby Allen did win and become the next challenger for the TNT title at All Out. Not All In, All Out. Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and he welcomes us. The F the AEW Tag Team Champions, FTR. Cash Wheeler talked about unfinished business they've got with several different tag teams, including Aussie Open, The Acclaimed, and The Young Bucks. But right now, they're not focused on any of them. They're focused on MJF and Adam Cole. He tells Adam Cole not to trust MJF. And he goes, I know firsthand. Remember the pinnacle? Remember the pinnacle? Harwood then tells the story about his dad making him get a job when he was like 14 years old. He said he was made fun of by other kids who were just given money by their parents. Because they didn't have to work for it. They were just given it. He thinks Cole and MJF see the titles as nothing more than a joke. He's like, they got their comedy skits and their, and their, and, and, and their dance break. They don't take these serious. We do. We're doing everything we can to make tag team wrestling serious. We've sacrificed our bodies. He's talking about all these different injuries he's had and this and that. He said, next week, there will be no comedy. No. He's going to do to Cole and MJF what he should have done to those kids when he was a teenager and kick their ass. Top guys out. Solid promo. Cool. Not the best. Seeing FTR do better. But cool. Then they get highlights from Blood and Guts. And then this leads to Ty of Valkyrie versus Sky Blue. Valkyrie patted Sky Blue on the head before the match even started. Kind of like saying... Ah, nice little girl. I'm going to beat your butt. Uh, she shrugged it off and went for a waist lock before chopping Blue into the corner. Blue fired up some chops of her own before getting knocked down with a shoulder block. Blue avoided a charge and hit a rising knee, but got knocked off the apron and speared on the floor by Valkyrie. Valkyrie hit a blue thunder bomb, but for a near fall as we went to a picture-picture commercial break. Valkyrie then knocked Blue down with a lariat as we returned to the full-screen action. Blue... blue <coughs> Went for a strike exchange before firing up, hitting a rising knee and a low kick. Blue hit a high crossbody for a near fall. She set up sky, uh, set it for the sky fall, but Valkyrie tied Blue up in the ropes and hit the sliding German suplex. Blue hit a pair of kicks, but ran right into a lariat from Valkyrie. Valkyrie tied Blue's legs up into a curb stomp and, and hit her with a curb stomp to pick up the pinfall victory. So after the match, Valkyrie grabs the microphone and starts bragging about her win. She's like, yeah. I've got this win. Britt Baker, she won a match on, on Wednesday, of course, against, well, an extra. It's easy. We've all beat extras. But how about I take my win tonight? Britt takes her win next week, and we see La Huera Loca against the DMD on Dynamite. And that match does get officially announced. We then got a video package highlighting AR Fox and his big win at Death Before Dishonor on the Zero Hour over Shane Taylor. This is basically just saying, hey, look, this guy got a big win before he challenges for the international championship next week. Speaking of next week on Dynamite, 
AR Fox will take on Orange Cassidy for the International Championship. Darby Allen will go on one on one with Swerve Strickland. Britt Baker will take on Taya Valkyrie. Pack will go on one with Gravity. Fido Castagnoli and, and John Moxley will team up to take on the Lucha Bros and Best Friends. We will hear from Adam Cole and MJF just days before their big tag title match. As far as next week's collision does go, speaking of the tag titles, the AEW World Tag Team Championships will be on the line with FTR, defending against Adam Cole and the AEW World Champion, MJF. In trios action, El Hijo Del Flakingo will team up with Action Andretti and Darius Martin to take on the Bullet Club Gold the Bang Bang Gang, Juice Robinson, and the Guns. Also, we do know that Buddy Matthews will be taking on Andrade El Idolo in a ladder match with Andrade El Idolo's, uh, with Andrade El Idolo's mask hanging high above the ring. Then, we go to our main event. The best thing on the show, and it still was just a fine match. It wasn't like a great match or anything. It was good-ish, but it was more just fine. Again, this whole show was just fine at best. But it was CM Punk and Darby Allin against Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. The Punk's standing in the ring waiting for the match to start, and both Ricky and Christian are on the apron going, you start, no, you start, you start, no, you start, no, you start. Finally, the referee's like, screw it. You guys got five seconds to figure it out or you're DQ'd. So he's counting. And he's like, four. And then Ricky Starks finally is just like, screw it, I'll start the match. So Punk immediately rolls him up, teasing, uh, rolls him up, trying to like, you know, play into the finish from last week and so forth. He gets out of it. He then tags in Cage. He pinballed around by, he was pinballed around a little bit by Punk before Punk actually... Uh, tried to go for the go to sleep. Punk and Allen then controlled Cage's arm as Punk mocked Starks. Starks avoided a tag until Christian got Punk in control. Punk and Allen hit dives and Starks, two Starks and Cage as we went to a commercial break. As we go to the commercial break, we hear Ian Riccoboni go, we got some breaking news coming from the back, but uh, we're not going to tell you about that until after we get back from the break. Come back from the break and that is when they say, so we told you earlier that Buddy Matthews will be taking on Andrade El Idolo. And in that match, it'll actually be a ladder match with Andrade's uh, mask hanging high above the ring. Also, they said that the House of Black will be banned from ringside. So, a bit wacky, but still compelling. Should be all right. So, they got that match and the big tag title match as the hooks to get you to watch next week's collision. Haven't seen the ratings for this week's show yet as far as, like, the Fast Nationals and stuff do go. I mean, uh... So... Cage and Starks worked over Punk for a little while. Punk went old school on, on or no, Starks went old school on Punk before Cage tagged in. We got a glimpse of Scorpio Sky in a skybox watching high above. Punk then made the hot tag to Allen, who ran wild on Starks and Cage. Allen hit a dive to Starks, but then on the other side tried to dive Christian. Luchasaurus was in the way, and he just bounced off of Luchasaurus. Cage then threw Allen into the announce desk. And literally, into and through the front of the announce desk. Starks then hit snake eyes on Allen in the ring before flooring him with a lariat for a near fall as we go to yet another break. Allen then beat a count out as we come back from the break. There's more clubbing and clobbering on Allen before Allen moved out of the way of a diving headbutt from Christian. Starks then ripped Punk off the apron, leaving Allen with nobody to tag as he jumped over to make the tag. He's like, ah, no one there. Allen then fought his way free after Christian got at him, and he finally does make the tag to Punk, who whips both Christian and Starks into the uh, separate corners and then hits them both with rising knees. Punk then hits a cartwheel 
and does a little comeback here with Rhea Bonnie, Ian Riccoboni saying that that was a tribute to New Jersey's own Bam Bam Bigelow. Punk then hit the Pepsi twist on Cage for a near fall. Punk then hit a high crossbody, but Christian rolled through for a sneaky near fall. Punk then knocked Christian off the top rope. They went up there, and he hit an elbow drop for a near fall. Cage tagged Starks, who ran right into a GTS attempt. Starks turned it into a roll-up for a near fall. They traded strikes before Punk floored Starks with a high kick. Punk tagged in Allen, who uh, avoided a spear at one point. Starks then went and speared Allen yet again out of midair and hit the Rochambeau, only for a near fall. Starks then took Allen up for a superplex, but Allen turned it into a death drop from the top rope for a near fall. That then led to Cage breaking up the pin. Punk then got involved, taking Cage out on the floor and hitting him with a GTS. Allen then set up for the coffin drop, but Luchasaurus crotched him on the top rope as the referee was more dealing with Christian and Punk. Starks then set up for a second Rochambeau, but Allen reversed it into a roll-up. Starks then reversed that roll-up into a roll-up, grabbed the bottom rope for leverage, and one, two, three, pinned Darby to pick up the victory yet again, cheating, grabbing the ropes. So yeah, Christian and Starks do pick up the victory, and boy, was Christian blown up during this match. There is a spot that they showed Christian on the apron, and he is drenched in sweat. You could just see the sweat dripping off of him, and he's going, <gasps> I mean, this man's almost 50 years old. Looks like he's in great shape and everything, but this man was dying, it looked like. Like, Christian was blown up three-quarters of the way through this match. But with that, that was this week's AEW Collision. Not a bad show, but not a great show. Like, if it, and I know you hear this a lot. If it wasn't my job, I wouldn't have watched. Like, I would have turned this off halfway through, if not sooner, if this wasn't my job. If I didn't have to watch this show, I really would have turned it off after that opening segment to set up the main event that was not a good opening segment. Because what I do after I watch this, went straight into catching up on the G1. G1, great. Just watch that instead. But regardless, Collision was all right. Not great. It was there. So the big thing is, coming out of that, as we get into some news, is Billy Gunn really retiring? Like, is Billy Gunn in the ring? And we still really don't know. Like, there's been a lot of questions online since Saturday night. Billy Gunn's 59 years old. He debuted in 1989, literally the same year I was born. Had a great run in WWE. Then went to TNA. Then went, excuse me, then went back to WWE. Then got fired from WWE for something that wasn't even WWE related. Then eventually ended up in AEW. But Billy Gunn has had a great storied career. And we'll see where this actually all does lead to with Billy and the acclaimed. I mean, maybe... Maybe Billy retires from in reaction, but he's still the manager of the acclaimed. That can happen. We'll, we'll see. I know Billy is working as a producer and a trainer backstage, which then leads to our next news story, as according to a new report from Fightful, they're stating that one current All Elite Wrestling champion has actually been transitioning into a new prominent role backstage within All Elite Wrestling, as Fightful writes the following. Orange Cassidy is expanding be, uh, beyond being one of the most impressive champions in AEW history. In addition to keeping a busy schedule in the ring as AEW international champion, Fightful has learned that Orange Cassidy has picked up work as a producer slash agent in All Elite Wrestling. We specifically learned that he produced recent matches between Infantry versus Kingdom 
and Big Bill and Brian Cage versus Matt Seidel and Trent. Producer slash agents are on headsets during the match. Help make help make sure they're on time. Send direction to ringside and also go over the matches with the talent themselves. They also relay pertinent spots to the television production so they know what to expect. So yeah. Morris Cassidy is now working as a producer within All Elite Wrestling. And he, I mean, he's a 20-year vet. He's been doing this forever just because most people haven't known about him since before AEW. Like, a lot of people didn't know who Orange Cassidy was before AEW, but this man's been around for a very, very long time. Orange Cassidy made his pro wrestling debut in 2004. So he's coming up. Next March will be his 20-year anniversary in the business. That's crazy. Going from working as uh, Tiff Safters to J.C. Ryder to Fire Ant and now Orange Cassidy. Now, speaking of people working as a producer, there's one WWE Hall of Famer who wanted to work for AEW as a producer and was told, nah, we'd rather have you as a manager. And that, that's Brett the Hitman Hart. Yes, AEW actually turned down signing Brett the Hitman Hart. According to Brian R. Solomon on Twitter, he stated that AEW insisted... Uh, AW and Bret Hart actually had talks about him joining the company at one point and he asked to maybe join as a producer where they told him no we'd rather have you in a role like Arn Anderson or Jake Roberts or even Tully Blanchard as a manager I'm going to pull up these tweets from Solomon and we'll read them here right now because these are pretty interesting tweets let's this Solomon tweets out actually a big fan of Orange Cassidy and his work, but in a company that has Arn Anderson, Jake Roberts, Taz, Billy Gunn, Christian Cage, Chris Jericho, Dustin Rhodes, and Sting in the locker room, shouldn't they be the ones being tapped to be road agents? When I recently interviewed Bret Hart for my book, he told me that he offered to agent for them, but they only wanted to bring him in as a manager like Tully, Arn, Jake, etc. Imagine having the ability to have Bret Hart coach your talent and saying, no, just be a TV character. So then Phil Schneider here, this is an interesting uh, tweet response that I wanted to read as well, stated, Cassidy is a 20-year veteran, and it makes sense to have an agent who has familiarity with a modern style. I might like Young Bucks matches better if aren't agent in them, but I am not the audience for the Young Bucks matches. Solomon responds, maybe both of them. They all, that's all they have now. They could use the old school influence to balance things, help with fundamentals slash psychology. It's an area in which they sorely lack. None of the agents they currently have possess the amount of experience as the guys I mentioned. So I, mean, I kind of agree with what Solomon is saying here as far as like they don't have psychology. They're missing on psychology and, and structure and this. And that is true because a lot of AEW matches are just go out there, bang, bang. Go out there and not talk about Bullet Club, but go out there, bang, bang, bang. Just hit a bunch of moves and spots and this and that. And there's a lot of times, yes, there is in, in good instances storytelling, but a lot of these matches we see on Collision and Dynamite and Rampage don't have any storytelling. They all feel like just, oh, well, they don't do Dark and Dark Elevation anymore, so now they're doing those matches on the regular show, and there's just a bunch of random-ass matches that don't make sense, that don't mean anything, and even in the matches, it's just, hey, let's hit our spots. So I get why he would say and why others would say we need 
veterans that know the other side of things, not just the wrestlers of now who know how to put on the fun spot fest matches, but we also need people who can teach the younger talent that that's not what it's all about. Now, one younger talent who has been out of action for a little while is Dante Martin as he's recovering from an injury. And Dave Meltzer actually had an update on his status on last night's Wrestling Observer Radio stating the following. It's the first word we've heard about Dante Martin in forever. Dante Martin is ahead of schedule as far as his recovery goes. I don't know about, again, how much. That was a brutal injury. And Dante Martin's big thing is his leaping ability and his speed. That would be a terrible injury for anyone. But for him, it's worse. If he can't get back to 90%, he could be a great... If he can get back to 90%, he can have a great career. It certainly sounds like he's on his way back. I don't know I don't know how soon, but he's on his way. That is good to hear that he is said to be ahead of schedule. If you don't remember, uh, I want to say it was Supercard of Honor. He was doing a spot where he flew out of the ring, and he landed right on his uh, ankle and snapped the ankle. Very... Very bad-looking ladder spot um, injury. But as we wrap up our AEW news, before we get into anything else, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Loot. For the fan and all of us, Pro Wrestling Loot is a curated box of pro wrestling merchandise sent to you every single month at one low cost. Each month, you're going to get a t-shirt, Autographs, posters, art, and collectibles. This past month, they sent us the CMLL Welterweight Championship. For our listeners right here, use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout and you will get 20% off your next purchase. Again, head over to ProWrestlingLoot.com and use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout to get 20% off your next order. So with that, as we move forward, Brian Pillman Jr. has actually been in the news a lot recently because, well, his contract was not renewed by AEW. Then he went and had a tryout at WWE. Then news came out saying that WWE is interested but may not sign him yet. And now there's new reports coming out stating that Brian Pillman Jr. has a huge opportunity coming up and could be signing with WWE soon. Brian Pillman Jr. says he has huge opportunities coming his way. The 29-year-old's contract with AEW expired earlier this month, making him a free agent. Dave Meltzer actually stated that Pillman was spotted training and having a tryout at the WWE Performance Center back on July 13th. Although it's not clear if he signed with the company, Pillman teased that he's excited for the future during a recent virtual signing with Captain's Corner. So there is also, in relation to this, a new report that came out from, I want to say it was Bodyslam.net. Yes, it was Bodyslam.net that stated the following. A deal is in place for Brian Pillman Jr. or is in the process of being finalized. He'll be moving to Orlando, Florida by the end of August, where he will report to the WWE NXT and begin training at the Performance Center full time. So, these are and are not contradicting reports. Meltzer did state that there was interest in that WWE wanted to sign him, but may not sign him like sooner rather than later. May not. But now we've got this new report from Cassidy Haynes of BodySlam.net saying, no, 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 no. A deal is in place, and he could be signed by the end of August. So 
We'll see where that all leads to. Very cool for Brian Pillman Jr. to get this opportunity. And I can't wait to see if and when he shows up in WWE and how well he does do. Because I thought AEW squandered his abilities and just used him as an extra random guy that nobody really cared about. So hopefully they care about him when he goes to NXT. As long as that all does work out. This past weekend, WWE was in Mexico. And they highly touted the success they had of their tour of Mexico. They were This was WWE's best attendance and highest grossing events in Mexico since 2011. This past weekend, WWE was in Mexico for a pair of house shows. The company issued a press release Monday touting the success of the shows, stating the following. WWE Today announced that back-to-back WWE Super Show events held at the Arena Chudida in Mexico, in Mexico City, on Saturday, July 22nd, and the Arena Monterey in Monterey on Sunday, July 23rd, broke records for the WWE's highest attendance and highest grossing live events in Mexico in 12 years. The event in Mexico City also broke venue records, becoming the highest attendance and highest grossing event ever held at the Arena Ciudad de Mexico, in addition to setting a record for highest ever WWE merch sales in Mexico City. More than 25,000 spectators across both nights witnessed WWE superstars including Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, Cody Rhodes, Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Seth Freakin' Rollins, Dominic Mysterio, Charlotte Flair, and Santos Escobar. So that's very, very cool. Saturday's event in Mexico City was headlined by Roman Reigns retaining the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against Rey Mysterio. Reigns wasn't on the Monterey show, though, the next night. In that night's, in that night's main event, Seth Rollins defeated Dominic Mysterio to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. So kudos to WWE for having some success down below the border. But as we get into our final news story, well, we got to update you on the G1. G1 Climax Tournament is going on. We did see the sixth night of competition, which is the update and the latest from the CND block. Let's talk about all of it. So the uh, recommended matches to watch from this block of, of content, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. The pair had one of the most consistent tournaments. Or the pair has had one of the most consistent tournaments independently, and it's no surprise that they kept that up this match. Eddie Kingston versus Hanare. Super high, uh, high action as far as like hard hitting, just heavy selling, beating the crap out of each other. This was really fun. Basically, it ended with Eddie Kingston knocking out Hanare, but Hanare getting a last shot in on Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston falling on him and pinning him to pick up the victory. We also had Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi, yet another hard-hitting action. This match was filled with bombs. This was exactly the match you would expect from these two, and I would go out of my way to watch it. I would literally go out of my way to see Ishii and Takagi. But as far as the action for the night does go, Zack Sabre Jr. did defeat Alex Coughlin. Tamatonga defeated Mikey Nichols. Haruki Goto defeated Shane Haste. Eddie Kingston defeated Hanare. Tetsuya Naito defeated Toriyanu in this match. I got to talk about this one. So they were talking about how, you know, this year in G1, all matches now have instead of a 30-minute time limit, it's a 10-minute time limit. Or no, 20. Excuse me. They went from 30 to 20. And they were like, but we know this match is not going to even get close to that 20 minutes because usually a Naito-Yano match does not go 10 minutes. And so, Yano comes down to the ring. 
Naito starts to come down to the ring, and then he stops halfway down the ramp, and is just moving around, kind of just standing there, screwing with Yano. His music finally stops playing, and they're like, okay, is he going to get it? No, his music's playing again. His music restarts. Naito then leaves, walks out, right? Right? And eventually comes back, screwing with Yano, whatever. Fun match, doesn't go too long. Naito beats Yano. Shigatakagi defeated Tomohiro Ishii. Jeff Cobb defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in a really good match. And in the main event of the night, it was, quote-unquote, Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, I guess. The War Dog Bullet Club leader, David Finley, against the House of Torture Bullet Club leader, Evil, where David Finley did defeat Evil. Is it really Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, or is it just the War Dogs against the House of Torture? Like, is House of Torture really Bullet Club? Is War Dogs really Bullet Club? Do we really have a real Bullet Club anymore? If anything, the real Bullet Club is the War Dogs. But House of Torture is not Bullet Club in my opinion. But as far as the updated points do go, now I know the other day we did talk about the updates to the A Block, but I'm going to read them all for you guys anyways in case you did miss those updates. So in the A Block and the B Block, we will reread those. Um, in the A Block, Sonata is at the top, 3-0 and at 6 points. Kato Kitamura is, uh, is next, 2-0-1 with 5 points. Gabe Kidd, 2-1 with 4 points. Chase Owens, 2-1 with 4 points. Ren Narita, 0-1-2 with 2 points. Shota Umano, 0-1-2 with 2 points. Yodosuji, 0-2-1 with 1 point. And Hikaleo, 0-3-0 points. As we look at the B block, Kazuchika Okada, 3-0 with 6 points. Taichi, 2-1 with 4 points. Will Ospreay, 2-1 with 4 points. Yoshihashi, 2-1 with 4 points. Tangaloa, 1-2 with 2 points. Kenta, 1-2 with 2 points. The Great Okan, 1-2 with 2 points. And El Phantasmo, 0-3 with 0 points. Now, in updates from Night 6, we got the C and the D block. In the C block, David Finley is 3-0 with 6 points. Evil, 2-1 with 4 points. Eddie Kingston, 2-1 with 4 points. Tamatonga, 2-1 with 4 points. Hanare, 1-2 with 2 points. Mikey Nichols, 1-2 with 2 points. Shingo Takagi, 1-2 with 2 points. And Tomohiro Ishii, 0-3, oh 0 points. Finally in the D block, Zack Sabre Jr. is at the top, 0-3 oh with 6 points. Jeff Cobb, oh no, Zack Sabre Jr., 3-0 oh with 6 points. Jeff Cobb, 3-0 oh with 6 points. Hiroki Goto, 2-1 with 4 points. Hitsuya Naito, 2-1 with 2 points. Shane Haste, 1-2 with 2 points. Hiroshi Tanahashi, 1-2 with 2 points. Alex Coughlin, 0-3 with 0 points. And Toru Yanu, 0-3, 0 points. So that is the update. And the latest we have on the G1 Climax Tournament as we go past six nights. So that's night six. And then Friday, we'll bring you yet another update for everything that we do have. But with that, guys, that is going to wrap up the wrestling wrap-up. Remember, tonight is Monday Night Raw on the USA Network, and five things have so far been announced for this show. We do know there's a contract signing for SummerSlam between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Gunter and Drew McIntyre will be going face-to-face. -face. Logan Paul and Ricochet will be going face-to-face. -face. Maso Ciampa will take on Bronson Reed, and Becky Lynch will take on Zoe Stark. If Becky Lynch wins, she gets a match with Trish Stratus. If Zoe Stark wins, Becky has to say thank you, Trish, and get thank you, Trish, tatted across her chest. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, 
Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Again, remember, Luke and I will be back tonight following Monday Night Raw, breaking down that entire show for the Red Brand. So with that, have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.